29 minutes past nine, as I said, Dick Forsland on the line. Now, he is, of course, a member of the Budget Justice Coalition, uh, but he's also the senior economist at the Alternative Information and Development Center. Dick, good evening, and thank you for joining us, man. Good evening, and thank you for having me. Only a pleasure. So one of the things that happened was that we had the delivery of the emergency budget, unprecedented, uh, unprecedented in the, uh, you know, since 1994, where normally we have two budgetary cycles. You have uh, the budget delivered in, in February and then uh, midway through the governmental financial year or the state financial year, uh, then you have an adjusted budget delivered. And that's sort of what we used to. Um, but now in June, we had a surprise because then the Minister of Finance yeah. took to the stage, delivered a budget. What is your? What was the aim of or what were you hoping to see coming out of that particular budget and what was delivered instead? No, I uh, I wasn't hoping so much. And I think that goes for many of the friends in the Budget Justice Coalition because we know the political program of the, the finance minister, Tito Boweni. He announced it already in the February budget with the 160 billion rand cut in the so-called public sector register, which implies that you, you have to also retrench tens of thousands of public sector employees. So it was not a surprise that this would really be a, a chainsaw massacre. And, uh, and uh, also taking the opportunity to, to push his policy. He's in favor of the smaller public sector of, uh, as a share of the economy. And that's what he's trying to accomplish now. I mean, he's speaking about uh, cutting 230 billion rand in the coming two years in addition to the 160 billion rand that was cut, uh, that was the plan already in, in February. So I think it was uh, AIDC and I think also the Budget Justice Coalition members, we think it was a, a, a terrible budget uh, and it was not necessary. And one must understand that there's not only one way to deal with the shock that we are going through. There are several ways to deal with a crisis like this. But uh, if you have a certain political ideas, and, and, uh, which I would characterize as extreme, well, then, then you end up like this. So that's the, my major take on it. I mean, uh, the president has promised to uh, put 20 billion rand extra to the health sector. But we saw now in this uh, extraordinary budget that in reality, it's a little more than 2 billion land extra to the health sector with the immense pressure, which is on the hospitals and clinics now. Uh, and the rest, uh, the health departments in the provinces, they just are ordered to reallocate uh, money within the already, already existing budget. And we saw in basic education uh, where you have an effective cut of 2.6 billion rand from basic education, despite that the, the schools now have, we have seen the situation at the school. I mean, the COVID-19 crisis has disclosed the state uh, uh, sort of what, what condition the basic school system is in, the public school system. And uh, one would have expected, of course, that, that uh, would have extra money to the public, to public sector schools, but that has not been the case. 
So then there was possibility from the 2020 February budget to also, there were tax, if you remember, there were tax cuts in the 2020 budget in February. So middle class and high income earners, they, they got the so-called uh, bracket creep reduction of taxes with 14 billion rand. That could have been retracted now in, in, Juda, in June. I, I think most of people uh, with, sort of with high incomes, they would have understood why. The second thing would be it would have been a golden opportunity to start to phase out the, the tax credits uh, mm. for, for medic, medical aid, which is over 25 billion rand per year in cost. Because we want now, we, we should be in favor of now, when we see what is happening, a, a, a one a singular uh, health system and not this two-tier uh, health system that we are, are dragging along with during this crisis. So that's basically some points. I hear you. And, and obviously it would have been great to be able to see those, uh, those particular budgetary allocations. I mean, I was going through the numbers and in certain instances there was uh, a massive, massive uh, shortfall that occurred. I mean, where uh, certain yeah. uh, amounts were dedicated and promised and it just never came through. The other point that you're also yeah. making is that obviously, and, and unfortunately uh, this is where we're seeing this um, uh, persistent uh, battle for resources occurring, but we'll get to that in a few. The one thing that stood out for me is, um, for example, the 100th billion promised for uh, job protection in small businesses, and only 6 billion yeah. has actually been allocated this financial year. That's one example already. Um, you were talking also about the um, uh, 25 billion. Uh, in new funding, the additional bu- budget for uh, social grants is less than half the fifty billion that was promised in the yeah. or, uh, you know original economic yeah, relief. So, yeah. so in some instances, we've seen half, if not less than half, um, being delivered on in terms of what was initially promised. But the the big argument, Dick, would be that a lot of people will turn around and say, "Well, government just simply doesn't have money," and that is why uh, Tito and Boeni now has to go back to. Um, the International Monetary Fund to the World Bank and all these other international partners and borrow 7 billion US dollars. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, also that sort of, uh, as AIBC and also the Budget uh, Justice Coalition, we think it's completely uh, wrong to go to the IMF in this situation. I mean, it has been a standing policy of the Treasury to avoid foreign loan and loans in dollars. And when it comes to the IMF, then it's also the political program that comes into the picture. Then again, we know that Tito Boweni, he is almost almost standing to the right of the International Monetary Fund. So he doesn't mind a much smaller public sector or to even cuts in the health sector, which IMF has been accused for internationally, but it's kind of like has been their fault that the public health has been so ill uh, prepared for such a crisis. But I mean, the, the IMF, argument has been also been maybe the IMF argument also is regarded as misused in, in the faction debate inside the, the governing, governing party so that uh, that uh, sort of uh, but I mean the IMF argument is not wrong uh, because leaders associated with uh, a minority enrichment or a corruption project that they are using it uh, the Treasury is it's, it's simply wrong to go from, for foreign roles in this situation. It's, it's about 140 billion rand, and that could easily be borrowed 
from the UIS, who has 150 billion surplus for some reason, but now it would come to use. And also, in fact, the government employee pension fund, which is something that we uh, as AIDT have argued for two, three years now, that the, the, the state pension fund is running with a surplus every year over 50 billion rand, has accumulated 1.8 trillion uh, rand. And uh, it's already lending, UIS and, and the pension fund is already lending uh, almost exactly 400 billion uh, rand to the government debt. They have invested it in treasury bonds. They could increase their lending to the government with 100 or 200 billion rand and get an interest on these payments, but then it would be a lending within the family. And, and, and you know how it is when you, when you borrow money from your, your father or your sister. Mm. You can negotiate a much better deal than when you are sort of borrowing from, from uh, international banks or international institutions. And to, to this also come, of course, is the main reason is the currency risk. We don't know if the rand will stand in 2021 or 22 rand to the dollar. Uh, even in one year, the situation is extremely volatile, extremely risky. And that is why the Treasury historically has tried all the time to bring down foreign lending. So I regard this as a political move, unfortunately. It's like coming, coming closer to the austerity program that Boweni has been, been sort of grabbing after ever since August last year when he published his discussion document. Just as a final so question I, for I you. It's very negative. Yeah. Just as a final question on that issue then, I mean, ultimately, a lot of people, when we talk about austerity, it obviously means uh, cutting back on uh, spending less, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we've had a very long history of, of South Africa, obviously, spending. And the one thing that has constantly been pointed to is our inefficiency in spending, number one. Number two, um, that unfortunate uh, constant reality in the form of corruption. And, and I think yeah. that that, unfortunately, also uh, paints an ugly, ugly picture when we talk about all of these issues that you've just mentioned. I mean, won't people turn around and say, well, you know, unfortunately, this is what government has done to itself, for lack of a better term. It's, it's created this mess uh, through uh, spending recklessly, uh, through constantly, um, you, you know, p- putting itself in a position whereby it's losing money, whether it be through uh, corruption or any other form of maladministration. I mean, isn't this... Um, what we have been moving towards, and now we're sitting and reaping the benefits of that, uh, and having yeah, lost out on yeah. this opportunity, not having money, um, and, and and being stuck between rock and a hard place during COVID nineteen. Yeah, I mean, of, of course, there's a lot to this argument, not the least emotionally. So, but I mean, it could be it could be dealt with if you have five, ten, fifteen, fifty-three persecutions. Of, uh, of corrupt officials in the parastatal. Mm. And maybe some have, something has coming along now with the DBS. That would take care of some of it. The other is the private sector, of course. It, it takes two to, to dance a tango. So, so you have uh, the, the, the SARS governors, for example, spoke in, in, in the television the other day about over 100 billion rand, which is missed to, which is lost to, illicit financial outflows in tax revenue every year, which means that the actual uh, outflows every year from South Africa illegally amounts to over 300 billion rand. And it seems like uh, the government or the Treasury and the Reserve Bank, they are not kind of up to the task. They don't, maybe politically, it is regarded as an unfriendly move 
to to go harder on uh, on big corporations when they are moving out capital. But I mean, the corruption issue uh, has to be dealt with, and it has to be dealt with this bringing people to the book. When this happens, uh, then uh, then maybe it will be sort of a much more reasonable, in my view, reasonable position in, in when it comes to the public sector. I think that one reason for the the, the bonanza of corruption and tender mm. and so on. It, it is the small public sector who is putting out everything. If you should change a light bulb in an office, you put it out in the tender. Uh, and uh, instead of sort of insourcing a lot of these uh, maintenance functions and water repairs, etc., etc., which is basically a public sector task, in, in my view. So you, you, the more you put out on tender, the more contracts you are trying to manage. It's a different for municipality to manage kind of 2,000 contracts per year or to manage 500. Uh, so so the, the interface with the private sector is much, much too big. And it comes down to the, also to the size of the public sector and the trust in the public sector. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, so, so, so you have to, you can't have a so small public sector in South Africa if you have a HIV prevalence, by the way, for example, of over 11%. Then you have to have a large public health sector. But now the pressure is taking the opportunity to make it a much smaller share of the economy. And I think we have to resist this. We have to resist this. Uh, and, Listen. and I think it will be a huge debate before the midterm budget. Listen, Dick, uh, thank you so much for your insights. All the best to you, mate. And uh, let's hope that uh, people start looking towards budgeting in such a way that it actually looks after people as opposed to just looking after yeah, the status quo. Yeah, budget for the need, for the need that is important. I think that the COVID crisis is showing that. I hear you, mate. Thanks, Thank man. You. There was uh, Dick Forsland. He's the senior economist at the Alternative Information and Development Center, as well as a member of BJC, which is ultimately um, the Budget Justice um, Coalition.